I am talking to one of my favorite people who has actually made a huge impact in my life, especially in the world of the blues. Um, Jostein Forsberg has been a friend since I think 2003 or four. And the strangest thing is I went to Natadin um, to do a piece on his festival in 2002 or something, and then I didn't meet him there. And I met him in a line to check into the hotel the year later. And he had a Natadin Fest Blues Festival t-shirt. And I said, hey, have you been to that festival? And apparently he had something to do with running the festival. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, we've become friends. And he's been kind enough to have me um, come to Natadin a few times, which is like the most amazing experience. And any musician who tours Europe will tell you that the Natadin Blues Festival is one of the greatest blues festival in terms of the caliber of music and also just the scenery, the people, and the whole experience. And I've had the pleasure of experiencing that a number of times, and it's it's otherworldly. And um, I thank you for that opportunity because it's been thank the greatest you. thing. Jostein is the man who who's a big part of that festival. I know he doesn't do it all, but he has a big part of um, looking for the artists and also making sure that the festival runs. On top of that, he is also a musician and um, has just released a brand new album called Howling, Screaming and Crying with his band Spoonful of Blues. And he has a CD club that he runs in Norway that still sells CDs. Mm -hmm. And I think he does like tons of other things that I don't know about, but uh, thank you for talking to me. Thank you for asking me, you know, well, this, is, this is really, really good and that's some very nice words. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, that's hard to sort of take, you know. Tell so, me, yeah. you were born in Newtown? I was born in Newtown, yeah. What was uh, it like born growing and up raised, there? It was a factory town, my daddy worked at the factory, we lived in a house that belonged to the factory, so okay. it was... Uh, what did they make? Uh, it was a steel mill, iron plant, so they made uh, raw iron. Okay. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, Natarden is about two hours away from Oslo yeah. in the mountains. Mm -hmm. I, th I think it's south? No, it's south, west. No, west? Yeah. Okay, west. Yeah. yeah. So, it's a beautiful drive to them, to Natarden, but it's a tiny little town of 5,000? No, it's uh, like 12,000. 12, okay. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't But it's my still homework. small. You know, yeah, it's, it is yeah, small. It's incredibly small. <laughs> So what was it like growing up there in, in the small, and it was bigger or smaller back then? It was uh, a little bit bigger uh, and it was uh, livelier. And I think that um, growing, growing up there at that time in the 1960s and 70s, uh, it was an environment there that led up to what I do now. Oh. With uh, with music because uh, you know it it was uh, a workers' town. People worked shift. They worked uh, uh, during all like twenty four hours. There were three shifts, uh, really? and you know every every day somebody were off work. Right. So there would always be. Uh, a party where somebody could play. So if uh, people worked during the weekend, maybe they had some days off during the week, and then they went out to clubs to uh, to listen to bands. So it was very healthy for bands at that time, you know. And what kind of music would that be then? That would be they they call it rock. They call it rock and roll, but. Right. Uh, I tell I tell them that what you really did play was blues because you listened to and you tried to play the music that the early Stones did, that the Animals did, right. and, uh, you know all those bands, Yardbirds, and so no, we, no, we we played rock. <laughs> no man, you played blues. <laughs> Did you get into Oslo very much? Uh, yeah, as a teenager, I did. I went to. I was very, very interested in music and uh, collecting records. And how did that happen? How did you? It was a. It was a, a record shop 
uh, that also uh, had instruments okay. uh, in town. And that was really a, a hub for uh, creating music interest. And people met there, you know, young people met there. They picked, uh, picked on the guitars there, banged on the drums, picked up a record. Right. And uh, it was really, really good scene. And, and that led to that people played, you know. Do you remember when music grabbed you, when you thought, I like this? Yeah, that was that was very early. I I think I was uh, twelve. Yeah, I think I was twelve when I picked up uh, the album Jimi Hendrix. Are you experienced? Good album. Yeah, <laughs> and my daddy went nuts. You know, <laughs> hey, don't play that record. You ruined this this stereo. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll bet you played it loud. I did, I did. <laughs> and then uh, it just, uh, uh, the music interest just uh, just grew. And uh, m- more music like uh, uh, sort of followed uh, in the Jimi Hendrix uh, vein, uh, but European bands like 10 Years After and uh, Savoy Brown and bands like that, uh, John Mayo. Uh, was there a distinction between European and American bands at that point for you? Did you, did it matter? Did you? No, it didn't matter. No, no, it really didn't. But at the same time, you know, uh, it it was in the glam rock era, so there was T Rex and there was Slade and yeah. European band European bands like that, and so I I got interested in in that and. Now I'm the band that I have. We sort of picked up a little bit, uh, went back to there, and sort of put a little T-Rex into our blues. And that's you know, Mark Bolm, the the guitar playing. It's not so far away, you know. It's just Chuck Berry in there and some blues in there. Well, I remember a few albums ago, a song. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but there was a song that you did that I just thought it was definitely ACDC influenced. Yeah, yeah, there you, know, you go. And then again, it just you know. it, it was rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still, it's very heavy uh, influenced by the blues. Right. Yeah, and and you know, and also at the same time, like when I was fourteen, I went to my first jazz festival by myself. Uh, in a neighboring town in Kongsberg. Right. Okay. So that festival's been going on so, for a long time. Yeah, so I, I was really interested in music and all kinds of music. And and other than Kongsberg, would you... I guess there are people partying all the time. Seeing live bands was not a difficult thing to do? No, okay. no. And uh, as you indicated earlier, it's close to Oslo, and we went to Oslo to see bands like... Uh, we went to see uh, Frank Zappa and the Mo- Mothers, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a few times. Then we got to see Chuck Berry when he came uh, through town. We went in to see him. We went to see Albert King, wow. o- Otis Rush. Um, so were you into blues really early on? Really early, yeah. yeah. What do you think it was about it? that? I don't know. It just spoke to me, I think. And... and when the blue speaks to you, it it grabs it grabs hold of you. I think, right. and and it seems like it won't let go. It's you know it's I know it's a phrase, but uh, it, I think it's true though that uh, you don't choose the blues, but the blues choose you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fairly common thing to say, but. Still, there's uh, there's something to it, I think. Well, you've been connected to it for a number of years. You know, I just interviewed Mark Hummel, and uh-huh. he says, you know, it's like 47 years or something that he's been doing the blues, and you think, yeah, that's a connection. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And you are chosen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't help it, damn it, you know. <laughs> right. And then you went, I know you went to university in Oslo, right? No, no. Okay, I, I, I have none of my facts straight, but uh, I went for a little, for a short period of time to university in Bergen on the west oh, coast. Oh, Bergen, okay. Yeah, but uh, this was for what? 
What did you go study? I studied uh, Norwegian literature. Okay. Yeah, or Nordic literature, actually, like Norway, Sweden, Denmark, uh, and Iceland. Right. So I, I learned some Nordic languages uh, fairly well. And um, with the thought of teaching, or what was was it just an interest? I think that I've always been following my interest, for better or for good. Uh, but I probably, I probably did see myself as a teacher on a higher, higher level. Right. Yeah. Not for not with kids, but uh, a university kind of uh, level. Uh, so I was probably aiming aiming for that. But then uh, we played so much, you know. Um, so your band was a happening thing. Going yeah, time. it was okay. really happening. We we played really a lot. Uh, this is not the same band that you're still in. No, there was a band that uh, called it was called the R and B Express, and uh, we made a few albums. We went uh, to California uh, to record our first album. Wow. Uh, we had uh, we ended up having uh, you know. Chris Kane on the album, really? and Mark Ford, uh, Andy Just, if somebody's familiar with him. Uh, and this uh, was, did you finance this yourself? Was yeah, it yeah, yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we made about money back. So <laughs> that's so, yeah. That's one of the most albums. <laughs> that, 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 that uh, happens very, very rarely now. Especially you know? back then. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know, uh, uh, we had Paris Slim on there. You know, Frank Goldwasser. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So How, what year would this been? Like? Oh, uh, it was. I think that was 1987. Wow, that's a long I, time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've been in in the. Uh, associate or I've been into the blues for a very long time and and with with different things and did you what did you think would happen with that album did you have a goal no no <laughs> we just wanted to do it <laughs> and that's probably you know that's uh, probably some of the things that have driven me uh, I've been following my interest right. and it's taken me different uh, places well I think you know somebody said this to me once but you can think about things <clears throat> that's one thing mm -hmm. but to actually do it no matter yeah. what the outcome yeah the fact that you said I'm gonna do this and you do it can yeah. only lead to other things you know what I mean like if, if I just sat there and said hey you, you and I should do an album we never do it then what's that mean but if you go out and do it even if it's not a great album, the fact that you did it is worth a lot. Yeah, and it, and it can lead to some something else. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you can say no to things, and nothing will happen. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't want to go. I don't want to do that. I don't. You know. Uh, but if you say yes, then something actually happens. Right. It can be a bad decision, and it can, can go wrong. <laughs> yes. But something happens. <laughs> yeah. And, and even if it goes wrong, it can lead to something else that yeah. is good, you know. Or it can be a success, you know, that you never know. No. And, you know, I mean, they always say that the people who succeed are the ones who have actually had failures, yeah. you know, and they know how to adjust to that. And mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing. So did you think you were going to be a musician full-time musician at that point or no I didn't but because uh, it didn't really occur to me but uh, uh, but we almost were you know because we we played uh, all over Norway all the time so, so how I think th things are quite different now based on my experiences with your festival but back then how easy would it have been for your band to get out of Norway and play in other European countries uh, I think that we are too old for that. We had to start out when we were young, you know, and right. really it, that is something that you really must want and and do. And uh, uh, you have to start. I that's my belief in any way that you have to start very early because uh, what happens to or has happened to a lot of bands in 
in Norway is that um, they've become very popular, uh, made good careers, and everything is comfortable. Right. Uh, they make money, and if they want to break into a new market, they had to do the legwork again, and they're not prepared to do that. Right. You know, they, but I mean, you play now in different countries. Yes, yes. So you've had to do the legwork. Yeah, yeah. You you always have to do the legwork. But uh, back then, would have been less likely to be. Like I always wonder about, you know, when I go to Natal, and the one thing I notice more than anything else is, if it's blues, then the blues fans of Natal respect it and enjoy it. Yeah. They don't make judgments that this is a band from Germany or they're from the U.S. No, or, you know, what no, I mean? they don't. I mean, I, there might be a, bi- a little bias towards. North American artists, yeah. but other than that, if it's a Finnish music musician or somebody from Swiss, Switzerland or whatever, it mm. doesn't seem to matter. Like they just, it's for the love of music. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, I'm not sure if that would be the case in North America. If people would be as open, maybe I'm wrong, but I think maybe it has changed a little bit over the years. But when I started coming here. Uh, and it's very visible uh, if you go to the IBCs in Memphis because right. uh, I've been doing that for many years and been judging for many years and uh, I've seen that the respect for international bands has de- grown right yeah because when I started to come here and uh, nobody took it seriously yeah but it has really changed and may- maybe the bands are better I would think the part of that is yeah. definitely that but. yeah so you were a musician, did you, but you didn't think that you would make it as a musician full time. So what else did you do? Uh, I worked, you know, I, um, I did different kinds of work. I worked uh, at uh, the local uh, steel plant. Okay. And when it got shut down, I lost my job. Uh, then I went on to work as, uh, for a cleaning firm. So when that steel firm went down, that was huge. Yeah, that was, was a major blow, impact. Big blow. On, yeah, yeah, big blow for the local community. You know, people. It got dark, man. Yeah. <laughs> it got really dark, and uh, you know, it affected a lot of families, and it affected the local economy. Uh, did people move out, or did they stay and hope something else was going to happen? They sort of stayed, you know, uh, and that was kind. Of, maybe that's. Uh, uh, led sort of to uh, the kind of depression that seemed to exist in the local communi- community at the time. Um, did it seem hopeless? Yeah, yeah, it really did. And you know, it's uh, I can it, it's an example of how it was. You know, because uh, we were a lot of uh, uh, young people that lost our jobs. Um, because when they started laying off people, they laid off the youngest because yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, they've been working there for the shortest uh, time, you know. And but then we were a gang or friends that uh, met every day at the local cafe. You know, we came there sort of like um, between twelve, twelve noon and twelve uh, thirty. Uh, we met at the cafe, with, uh, drinking coffee, talking and smoking. You could smoke in the cafes at that time. You know, it was terrible. <laughs> uh, uh, talking about uh, our own situation and not in a very positive way. And uh, after a while, we will, would go to somebody's home and watch the movie. Uh and the one that we saw uh, most uh, more than any other film that was uh, Shining with Jack Nicholson. So you can think that that was, <laughs> it was kind of depressing. <laughs> it is dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite movies, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's a really, great movie. Yeah. But <laughs> it's sort of, a, it, it's a picture of how it was. <laughs> How long did that go on for? Uh, yeah, I went on for uh, that happened eighty four, eighty five, yeah, for three, three or four years. Wow! 
so Norway is also different in that the government does help and yeah, it's a yeah, socialistic yeah, government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're not doing anything, then you're not feeling good about things and people no, are very depressed no, and whatever. No. But was there danger of not being able to eat? That was never no, an issue, No, no, right? it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But uh, but in that period period of time, I took I took other jobs, you right, know, right. like you were working for a cleaning firm, as I said, and, and always in Nutan or always else? in Nutan. Okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, did you ever think it's about been a lot of industrial work? Right. Did you ever think about leaving Nutan? Uh, yeah, but it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, except for a little little period of time in Bergen uh, but that was where we did uh, did our things you know that's where we had our band so we had more time to, to travel with the band we needed right. to do that more and after a while and and that is sort of when we're talking about this that is sort of what came out of there that it was that okay this has to stop we has we we have to do something. This right. is negative. We have to do something positive, and we we're thinking, what do we know? Well, we know how to play music. We know uh, uh, festivals. We play at festivals. We play play at clubs. So we have a fairly good picture of what a what an event should be like. And since we were musicians, we could see it from that perspective. Right. And we were blues musicians, and we saw that uh, blues bands were playing at the jazz festivals in Norway. But they never got any credit. When the media was writing about the festival, it was always about the jazz people. Right. Even though uh, it was obvious that the blues bands, they were bringing the money in. That, that was the most successful uh, uh, concerts. Right. Uh, so we, we were thinking, damn, let's start a blues festival, and that became the first blues festival in Norway. So. And were there many other blues festivals around Europe at that point? There, there were a few, but uh, probably not very many. There was jazz festivals and rock festivals but not very many blues festivals but but there were there were some so now norway a, is not a huge country no. it's a beautiful country it reminds me of canada in a lot of ways the northern part um what's the population of norway 4.5 million okay so uh, it's not huge one of the things that amazed me and i don't know if it still is true today but at one point there was something like 80 or so blues societies. Yeah, yeah. In Norway. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. But I presume that also started kind of because of the Natalden Blues Festival. It did. Yeah, because uh, that was the first blues festival, and it got sort of instantly popular. How did that? Like, how did that happen? Uh, I think people could relate to it. Uh, you know, uh, being the blues and being in the town that really had the blues. <laughs> and uh, the concert were uh, held in uh, shut down factory buildings right so it sort of resonated with the uh, the blues and hard work working class and uh, uh, people with little money and so it sort of seemed genuine so, maybe so do you remember that what was your role in that first first festival? I was just a musician. Okay. Yeah. But you were part of the people who came up with the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were a group. But and then yeah, I, I was just I was just a musicians a musician the two first years. Then then I became uh, responsible for the festival in 1990. They came to you and asked you if you yeah, were to take yeah, that job. Yeah. Why was that? I don't know. Uh, they well, I I had. I had more knowledge about the blues than uh, most people in my town, right. and uh, I don't know, except for that. But uh, I said no because uh, <laughs> I, no I wanted to, I wanted to play. I wanted to 
play music and be uh, be a musician. And uh, at that point, could you be making a decent living being a musician? Yeah, we made money. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we did. So we played so much. So we, uh, yeah, we did. Um, but then they came back, and I guess they didn't find anybody <laughs> who, who wanted to take the task on. You know, <laughs> there's only four point five million people. Uh, and I was uh, uh, stupid enough to say enough to say, okay, I'll do it. And uh, it's, that it's become my life. That changed your life. Yeah, yeah, it really did. So, tell me about. I don't know if we should talk about the first one or the first one that you were responsible for. Let's talk about the first one you were responsible mm. for. Tell me your memories of that. So the third Natadan Blues Festival. Who was uh, there that I would know? Charlie Musselwhite. Wow. That okay. was my first pick. I want Charlie Musselwhite to come here. And how easy was it to get Charlie Musselwhite? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he came. He came. Yeah, with his band. And I... Damn, I was, I was nervous. Uh, he was uh, sort of a hero of mine. Mm -hmm. And I was going to the airport to pick him up. And, you know, our festival had quite uh, good visibility in Norway. And uh, it was popular even in the media. So when I was driving in there, you know, it, it came on the radio that... Uh, so Charlie Musselwhite is going to play at Nutodden and I was on my way to pick him up. So that was kind of that cool. That is cool. Yeah. At that point, how many people would you, what would have been the ticket sales or what would you, what would you hope people to, how many people I, would attend? I think it? that was 6,000. Yeah, I think 6,000. Yeah. It, it, you know, our festival grew fairly quickly and, uh, and it just grew and grew and it was... Um, it was sold out in uh, just a, a couple of hours every wow. year. Yeah. Yeah. So before lunch break, we were <laughs> sold out, you know, for many years. <laughs> and it just grew because uh, we had to add uh, concerts to it, you right. know, because we knew that people w would be coming. And if they had no concert to go to, it, they would probably make trouble. Yeah, it would be like the fire festival that recently. Happened. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we kept adding uh, venues and uh, and uh, concerts, and that that happened for for many years. And uh, I was really worried. Uh, what will happen? What will I think? How will I react when we're not uh, sold out anymore um, <laughs> by lunch break? Right, right. For sure. Yeah. But it it continually went that way yeah yeah yeah, for, for, yeah but i guess growing time. is also a risky thing right it is yeah and it was sort of out of control but still we had control about uh, uh it's that's a strange strange thing to say but uh, i believe that that was sort of the situation um uh, we had control in the way that we modeled our the, the next festival after last year's festival, and when the demand was bigger, we added uh, more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and your festival is un not unique, but it's it takes place in a small town. It has an, a select number of um, accommodations, like hotels. Not many, because it's not really a tourist uh, place. No. You also provide a huge area for camping yeah which is a big thing it and is. i think well, how many what would be the percentage of people who camp as opposed to i mean i would think like 80 percent of people. yeah yeah i would think so camp yeah. into the town yeah. and like, like they basically take over the town for the yeah. weekend yeah yeah what was the biggest thrill for you like in terms of hiring somebody because even in the short time that i've known you I, it's grown immensely yes. you've had some massive artists mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i don't know if it's just the bigger names that would be it automatically translated into bigger thrills. But for you, obviously, getting Charlie Musselwhite for the first one is huge. Yeah. But yeah. over the years, tell me some of the highlights. That yeah, it was a highlight, and and still is uh, a highlight. I think when we had BB King for our tenth anniversary, mm -hmm. and he came, he played two shows, Friday and 
Saturday. And that was sort of good for him. He stayed at the Bolka show, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> I could settle in for two days uh, playing, uh, not have to just leave the next day to yeah. play a, a different city. So that was kind of cool. And uh, I remember uh, we before he came, we got hold of a Lucille. Uh, and I hung out backstage uh, uh, the whole first night just waiting for B because I, I was thinking this is the moment this is the opportunity where we can get a signed Lucille <laughs> and put it on display in our blues museum right so I hung out there I didn't move from where he was gonna have to come when he got off, off stage you know so I, uh and having have that talk afterwards with BB, uh, meeting him and experience how great a guy he was, uh, and having him sign that guitar that is still on display, um, that that was unique. Yeah, uh, I'll and, still and remember that's the other that. Thing. The Blues Museum is another thing that when I first met you, you had this idea, and I don't yeah. know if it was your idea or a collective idea, but. You guys wanted to create this blues museum in Atadan, mm. and through many years of negotiating, frustrations, and whatever, it you made it happen. Yeah, and yeah. that's what three years ago or something like that. Uh, yeah, it was uh, in December two thousand and thirteen. Right, but you had been working on that for years yeah, and years. Yeah, and it's very important to uh, sort of emphasize that. Uh, Newton Blues Festival is a collective right, thing. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not just you. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's an impressive thing. So now, you know, it always amazed me that you, you create this blues festival, which was world renowned and very well respected, and that helped the town immensely. Yeah, for that one weekend, and and then other projects started to happen over that. And one of the other projects was this blues museum that now attracts kids from all over Norway and tourism and whatever, showing yeah. the history of the blues in the world and also in Norway. It's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild and it's a, it was a wild idea. <laughs> but then again, it's, uh, it's something that it's, uh, it's big enough to uh, make people uh, care and want to work hard for it and it's big enough and weird enough to uh like that people will talk about it mm -hmm. and say ah, this is a stupid idea they are nuts and it's not gonna work right it not it's not gonna happen but it did um uh like going back to where the festival became a success and became uh, a trademark for the town because uh, it's not like uh, people in Norway all over Norway they say are you going to the Newton Blues Festival this year they don't say that are you going to Newton this year and then it's uh, right it's the blues festival so at what point but, did you think that happened I don't know why like was there a moment 90, where you thought 90, 96 97 maybe 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 before i'm not sure uh but it had also had an impact uh on on the town and on the community because we sort of switched the light back on uh for the town in respect of thinking bigger thinking outside the box and thinking internationally again because right. uh, Newton, uh, the industry in Newton were on an international market and, uh, and they were thinking big. Well, I remember, I mean, you know, I remember seeing people from Germany attending the, the festival and mm -hmm. other parts mm -hmm. of the country, I mean, other parts of Europe. Yeah. So yeah. it's pretty impressive. Was there a point where... It wasn't working. Was there ever a doubt about? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been up and down before, uh, during. Now it'll be thirty years this summer. Wow. Uh, but I guess that's only to be expected. 
Like it can't just run smoothly all no, the time. No, no, no. But was there ever a time where you thought this might not happen? Yeah, 2010. Really? Yeah, that was okay. This is it. It's not. It's gonna die. It's not gonna work. Yikes! Yeah. So we lost a lot of money for three years. Is that because of weather? Like what? Yeah, time? because of weather mainly, and uh, maybe we didn't do a good enough job. You know. Right. Yeah. Maybe we did book some wrong acts for the Norwegian um, market. Right. Uh, you know, was, we we went into we went into uh, soul music and maybe a little deeper into the blues than the crowd in Norway were. Uh, was prepared for or ready yeah. for. Did know. that surprise you? Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. And do you feel now you know your audience better? Uh, yeah, I, th I, I think so. But uh, it's still, it's still, uh, it's still Norway, and it, it's a little bit different from uh, from even even from Sweden uh, and and Denmark. Norway is a sort of a market on its own mm -hmm. uh, so we have to uh, we have to work with that you know we right. have to uh, r be realistic about where we are and then we have to educate right yeah and we've always wanted to educate and maybe we wanted to educate more than people really wanted <laughs> us to do <laughs> no but, but also as you grow you get bigger acts Right. Yeah. Because <clears throat> yeah. I remember you, you hired some huge acts mm -hmm. like Steve Winwood and Paul Rogers and Robert I mean, Plant. Robert Plant. Yeah. And I just assumed that bigger acts means bigger dollars, which means bigger risk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it seems like a good idea, but if it rains and or it's whatever, it's a bad idea. It's, yeah, it's a horrible <laughs> idea. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> this, you know, you during a year. When you're planning a festival, there is uh, nights when you wake up and. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Which you have no control over, right? You no. just think, well, what if? Yeah. But like yeah. this year, you have an amazing lineup with Buddy Guy and Beth Hart and. Yeah, Little Steven and the Disciples of Soul with a big band. Half of America coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you recently and, saw. And. Them, and, right? and, and uh, we just uh, released uh, the booking of uh, the European soul singer Just Stone. Oh yeah, that's and right. that that went really well with uh, a younger age group, so that resonated very well with our um, audience and with especially with the younger female part of our audience. Right. Yeah, so that works. Very well, and then, then we like to have, uh, you know, for doing a festival so many years, you can't just uh, have the same acts all over and all uh, yeah, yeah. again and playing the same show. So we have to think creative, and then like that, we are probably a pain in the ass for some musicians because, uh, okay, we can we can have you back but we need to have it in a different situation a different yeah, yeah. setting we have to put uh, a project together you know right uh, and that's that's work both for the musicians and for for us as a, as a festival as a promoter but uh, it sort of keep the tension and the interest up you know so this year we wanted okay we we gotta have some chicago blues and uh, but let's see what we can do that can sort of make it interesting for our audience um and not have the same band together or or back again right yeah so okay let's see what can we do with the chicago uh this gotta be deep chicago blues and oh, Bob Margolin is a good friend. 
and he's deeply rooted in uh, the Muddy Waters tradition and keeping that alive. Uh, Charlie Musselwhite is the first uh, generation of white Chicago blues artists. And then Bob Stroger, we wanted some of the older generation. Bob Stroger is on bass. Uh, the great uh, Willie Big Eye Smith is gone, but his son oh, yeah. is keeping the legacy. So that okay, let's bring him into the into the band if if possible, and and sort of keep that tradition going. And then who else can? Could we ask? And then we asked uh, Billy Flynn. So it's it's real solid, deep mm. Chicago blues band, but it's uh, put well, together for yeah. designed for Newton. Wow! Yeah. And we have to do that, you know, because uh, we want to keep our uh, like uh, the interest of our audience, and they give them something that they don't expect. And that what that's what they expect of us. You know? yeah. yeah. So thirty years is a huge milestone. You must be very proud. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, one of the oldest blues festivals in Europe. Yeah. Uh, and to keep a festival going for so long, it's uh, that's that's well done. For sure. <laughs> no, because so many have disappeared as well. Yeah. Right? Like so yeah. many great ones. I know. Yeah. And we could have disappeared, you know, as I told you back in 2010. And we thought, shall we leave it with this? Or shall we just make a new start? Just pull up our sleeves and. Uh... So that was very risky. Yeah. Yeah. It could have gone either way. It could have. Could have. Yeah. But and so, so 2010 was huge success? Is that. No. 2011 oh, okay. was. Wait, <laughs> yeah. 2010 was the problem. Yeah, that was this disaster. <laughs> and we, we sort, sort of were technically bankrupt. We had to go to the bank and Yikes. get a guarantee, you know, to... But so now, was that like a horrible year for you? It was terrible. Yeah. When the festival was over, it was raining for four days and, uh, and it was just horrible. And... Uh, we had a meeting the day after a festival is okay this is the situation shall we do this or shall we call it quits and we decided no we gotta we gotta move on we gotta keep going that day you decided or did it take a while we decided uh, that day yeah well okay yeah so we can't quit no, <laughs> and now that's not an very likely for us to do. So now things are much better. Yeah, into, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're still here. Yeah, yeah. I need to ask you. You come to Memphis and to Mississippi numerous times a year. Yeah, right. IBC yeah. Two sometimes three, yeah. two or three well, times a year. So when did you first come to America? Oh, first time that was nineteen eighty two. What was the impression of the blues before it you was came? Fabulous! It changed my life. Okay, so but you were a blues fan before then. Yeah, and you had yeah. an image of the blues mm-hmm. from a Norwegian perspective, which was very exactly. distant, and exactly an album cover and photos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So when you went down to Helena, Arkansas, or to Memphis, or whatever, yeah. what did that? What was that like for you? I went to uh, with my girlfriend. Me and my girlfriend, uh, Sulva, that she's my still we're still together and she's my wife. Uh, we went to Chicago, and we came into Chicago from the airport, uh, and came up uh, in this huge city and all that noise and wow, <laughs> that was overwhelming. You know, we got a little scared. <laughs> yeah, and you have to understand that Tottenham is not a big place. No, so we got a little scared. You know, uh, and it went, can be a scary place. <laughs> <laughs> went to the hotel and uh, checked in and said, "Oh damn, what have we done?" Uh, then we stayed in, uh, stayed at the, in the room for a couple of hours, and now we got to get out. And it became a fabulous week, and we have done some checking, you know. So we we went to 
sort of the obvious places who went to Blues on Halstead, uh, Kingston Mines, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we just checked out the different, uh, the different clubs. Wise Fools Pub, I think we went to. And then I, I knew that um, Bob Kester, he would occasionally bring some tourists, some people out on for a, for a tour of the Chicago right. clubs, you know. So, so we went to his uh, his record store, Jazz Record Mart, and, and I hung out there for many hours and until closing time. I didn't have very much money. <laughs> uh, was your wife there? Yeah, she oh, was okay. there. Uh, she's been a companion man (laughs) she's been she's been brave (laughs) and uh, okay I have to buy something so I picked up uh, uh, Magic Slim and the Teardrops uh, an EP Wonder Why Mm -hmm. Uh, it was really really great Uh, and I hung out until closing time and went Everybody else had left. I went to the counter and introduced myself to Bob Kester right. and uh, told him I want this and I'm from Norway. I love the blues um, and uh, yeah. And for some reason, he took a liking to us. Uh, you know, light-headed like we were. You know, blonde, two blondes lost in Chicago <laughs> and totally out of place. <laughs> So, so he inv- he invited us out for dinner, nice uh, to a Mexican restaurant, and then we went uh, to the south side to the old checkerboard lounge with him, and to Rosas when Rosas was down in the basement. People they don't believe they uh, we were there, but we really were, and it. it that was close encounter with the blues in a different way than that you could get in Norway. Yeah, so sure. it, it was it was more than music. It was a social kind of thing. It right. was uh, <clears throat> it was a way of life. It was a heritage. And that's what we realized. And then we m- went further out on the west side to different clubs uh, on Saturday night. And uh, yeah, that really changed everything. And the day after, uh, we went up early and we went down on Maxwell Street. That was still uh, vibrant at the time. Right. Yeah. So you can you can see that uh, for two young Norwegians uh, looking like nobody else down there uh, you know that it, it had it had a huge impact yeah yeah when did you wind up going south went to clarksdale memphis Nin- 1996 okay that was the so first bit, time in clarksdale yeah, okay yeah and was that and experience that was, as it was as deep yeah uh because clarksdale was still uh, there was still a little like the old days, you know, and the juke joints were still there. There's just something about being in Mississippi. Yeah. And when you hear the blues down there, it's just different. It's different. <laughs> it's totally different. Yeah. 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 And more different than, than now. Yeah. Right? Uh, but it's still different uh, to this day. And to illustrate that, you know, we... Um, uh, we met uh, Robert Bilbo Walker on the street uh, just by accident and we started talking to him and oh, and he told him, I'm going to play out at Bobo's Grocery that was a juke joint out, out of, outside of uh, Clarksdale. Uh, yeah, okay, when are you going to start? Oh, we're going to start around uh, 8. So we came out there around 7 just to... <laughs> uh, be there whenever they showed up uh, you know there was nobody there <laughs> and it was it was a grocery store you know and they just had moved the shel- the shelves to to the sides and instead of 
meat in the freezer, you know, there was beer. Right. And it was a pool table and uh, uh, band gear in the corner. And no band showed up. After a while, <laughs> after a long while, Bilbo Walker came, uh, but his band didn't come. So he didn't play. So, <laughs> and that was Mississippi. That was Mississippi, you know. Right. That, uh, the music happens when it happens and maybe it won't happen <laughs> <laughs> so that's sort of the, the cool thing about that yeah. you just have to we just have to f- find that uh, uh, way of life find that rhythm the blues is changing because of demographics because of many reasons because uh, of the music uh, industry do you worry about that? Uh, I could say yes and I will say yes uh, because our society is becoming so corporate Mm -hmm. and it's a threat to uh, a lot of things that are good Uh, and uh, the good things just some of the good things just uh, disappears Mm -hmm. Uh, and we don't realize, realize it until it's gone and we can't get it back. Yeah. Uh, so we sort of have we have to fight for uh, we have to fight for the tr- tradition and for the blues and uh, you know keeping the blues uh, heritage uh, going and not just keeping it alive, but because it, it it is alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, alive in Mississippi. Uh, and it's different alive than it is in Chicago or in California and in Norway. Uh, but it is changing, and the blues has always been changing mm-hmm. uh, since uh, the one string on the wall yeah. till uh, electric Chicago blues. You know that the blues traveled. And it changed with it, so it has always changing, been changing, uh, and it will. But it will. Always, I think it all, will always be there. Is it a bigger challenge for your festival with the change? Yes, it is. Uh, we want to keep the tradition alive, and we, at the same time, want to uh, bring the blues to a new audience to a new generation uh, which is difficult Mm -hmm. Uh, how do we do that Uh, and it's not as as simple as okay let's add some hip hop to the blues and then it's okay because it's uh, that's not enough that's not the solution that's part of maybe part of a solution but uh, that has to be sort of a, a a development that comes out from and it has to build from the ground up Mm -hmm. Uh, you can't just say that okay we want the blues to be like this now yeah (laughs) and and the few people who have tried it it's been interesting but i'm not sure if they brought in any new audiences no you know i mean i mean it's been done and it's been done well but it's not like you see a brand new young audience following that no no it's not so so it's uh, it's difficult. Yeah. And uh, also, I, I would presume there's a lot of great young artists, and, and that's a young artist, but there's still a lot of great musicians out there. Yeah. But I don't know if they have the same drawing power as some of the other musicians that you've had on your stage. I mean, I remember, yeah. I, I think it was 2006 or whenever I was there. I mean, it was like Little Milton, Mel Brown. Yeah. You know, Snoopy I mean, Pryor. Just, yeah. Like it was. Yeah. the history of the blues right there and mm, those people yeah. are not there anymore and mm-hmm. I don't know what that means and how, what kind of challenge that brings to a festival like yours uh, like mine uh, in, in Norway it's, uh, it's a challenge mm-hmm. and I see that our uh, audience is developing in different ways some people uh, sort of dig deeper into the traditional blues. Uh, some 
when when you've been a festival for 30 years and you have a loyal following loyal audience they're 30 years older (laughs) 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 Uh, and i see that now finally after all these years uh, they catch an interest for soul music and soul blues and that's been a long time coming Uh, so i see a, a some of our audience are uh, some in our in our audience are moving towards that uh, some are keeping a hold on the t- traditional blues and Chicago blues and and Mississippi blues and the younger people they like it more uh, more rock and roll so there's uh, yeah we need to sort of find a way to attract all of that right yeah and uh, and there's we have to f- bring new younger artists in and you know and I see that and this is something I've been thinking about and that is uh, the older generation of musicians they are talking about we need to recruit younger uh, younger peop- younger musicians into the blues but they still get pissed off when the younger people get their jo- get their gigs you know yeah, yeah. so there's uh and, and the other thing is there are still a lot of young people out there playing yeah you know and, yeah. and from from what what i can see the blues has had no problems attracting younger players it just hasn't resulted in attracting younger audiences mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what i mean there's there's a lot of young players who are phenomenal and you think wow but are they bringing in the younger audiences and for most part i don't see that no uh and that's because uh i don't mean that i have an answer to that but uh they they play for the same audience at the same festivals yeah uh so that doesn't change anything but uh, there are bands that are deeply rooted in the blues uh, and it's sort of uh, maybe even old-fashioned to even bring out uh, the black keys name now right Uh, but i mean the first time i saw the black keys was at your festival you know and yeah yeah i interviewed the drummer And it yeah. was like three weeks after they had just got out of the basement. Like they were totally <laughs> baffled by the fact that they were actually at a blues festival in Norway. They yeah. loved it, mm-hmm. but you know, you look at where they are today, which is just yeah. Like, and that's that's that that's what I mean. You know, they uh, they are heavily rooted in the blues, uh, and uh, people like it, and they uh, gravitate to uh, to blues music, uh, but they don't. They go to different venues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, the Black Keys and the White Stripes and Jack White now, uh, they they bring in a lot of people. They play for a lot of people and for a younger audience. Yeah. And they play their blues music combined with uh, everything else, of course. But so the interest is there, but they're uh, going yeah. to different venues yeah. and then the blues uh, uh, media they they don't count that for interest of the blues mm-hmm. in the blues because it, they don't see it it's because they don't frequent those uh, right. uh, those clubs or festivals either you know so, uh, and another artist Joe Bonamassa who I saw at your festival many years ago yeah. another person who doesn't really get the respect or the I, I guess I think it's the respect or I don't know why but you know people just think of him as a rock guitarist but you know he's another yeah. one who's got deeply rooted in blues and yeah he brings in a lot of people yeah yeah, yeah. and works hard harder than most people yeah and maybe that's uh, also something that uh, a lot of people people have to realize and learn that it you have to invest in your career and Bonamosa has 
really invested in yeah. his career. I get more emails from him than anyone else. Yeah. And it's not really him, it's his marketing team, but yeah, 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 they're out yeah. there working it, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it's yeah. impressive and all yeah, the things that he does. So. That's, that's also part of it. So it's, so it's difficult, man. Yeah. It's, it's really difficult. So I, I need to close this off soon because I know you have to go, but I want to talk about your band a little bit. You released a new album. Tell, mm. me, tell me about the new album and what the thought behind putting this out is. Uh, we're a band that are, uh, or we're a band that is uh, heavily inspired inspired by uh, Mississippi blues mm-hmm. and especially hill country blues. Um, Morton, the guitar player, and me, we're writing the material. We play only or- original material, and it's heavily rooted in uh, in Mississippi. But then we also uh, are inspired by uh, the European tradition and the European uh, blues that started with, uh, you know, with John Mayer, with Eric Clapton, with the Rolling Stones and uh, even the Beatles. So we, we have elements of that. And earlier in this conversation, I talked about the glam rock period. Mm-hmm. So we we sort of sneak in a little bit for uh, some some elements uh, of uh, that period of, in our music interest. You know, T Rex, um, and also we we sort of we were into. Uh, Ian Hunter and Matt Hoople uh, with Mick Ronson on guitar way right. back and we sort of okay they have some interesting things going let's see how we can fit that into some of the stuff that we do and see how, how can we sort of integrate the blues and that and and we're trying to make songs uh and not just uh, a blues jam, but it's we right. try to create songs, um, and it's guitar and harp driven music with uh, with a quartet, bass, drums, guitar, harmonica, and vocals, and so it's um, yeah. You you mentioned the ACDC earlier on too. It's that it's something in there for the people who like them and it's uh, it's very in, in, sort of influenced by uh, early Rolling Stones period I think. right yeah um and from what I can tell looking at your Facebook page I mean you guys have been busy right? very yeah yeah so I mean how much time is how much of your time is now the festival and how much of it is bad uh, it's periods, but uh, you you know my days are long, and I fit a lot into them. And I I get up early in the morning, like <laughs> or in the middle of the night. Yeah. So uh, uh, so I find find room for uh, for both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and CD club. And the CD club, uh, which I'm uh, which I'm not uh, doing right now. It's uh, some other people that's keep keeping that going. Right. Yeah. So, but uh, we're recording and touring. We have a record company. We're making records with other bands, and um, uh, there's a great studio in our hometown with old uh, vintage uh, equipment right. and uh, you know the an old board sound board from Stat the Stack Studio and uh, yeah. Uh, tape machines and old ribbon. So mics. it's all analog, or no? It's it, but it's mainly analog. But wow. uh, it's upgraded now for uh, digital use also, and it will be more uh, e- even. Uh, we're invested more in it now. You know, so I think by the summer it's going to be some changes there for the better. Huh. Yeah. And then we're looking at um, making a... Um, uh, and here's where you come in. <laughs> what? 
because you've been in the you've been uh, you know coming to Not- to uh, Notam and doing the footage that you've been doing yeah. and and sort of uh, making me made me interested in uh, in uh, in film and uh, and uh, sort of taking care of the tr- tradition and showcasing the musicians from that side right. and. Uh, now we are planning a documentary together with and it's really little steven's oh, idea yeah. you know little steven from the bruce springsteen's e street band he, he's been coming to our festival for uh, it'll be the third year now and, and he said yeah you should make a documentary <laughs> Yeah. You should. Yeah. Thirty years. <laughs> so that's what we're looking out now, uh, looking on now, you know. And uh, he'll he's agreed to be the executive producer, and it's called Blues Town Rising, and it'll be sort of the the history of our festival integrated with the history of the town, and the rise and fall of uh, of the the heavy industry in Utah. Oh, interesting. So, so I think if we can make it happen, it, it will be a cool, um, it will be a cool film. It will be. Uh, and so right here now, since you hear about it for the first time, maybe. <laughs> On tape. Uh, <laughs> do you think that we could use some of your footage? Of <laughs> what am I going to say? No. <laughs> Because that would be really great. That would be important for the film. And it will add something to the film that people, like blues fans, will really be interested in seeing, you know. You know what you you have, and that's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing the people I got to meet there. So, yeah, for sure. It's yours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and maybe you'll have to uh, come and assist us in this. Uh, if I would you have love the time. to. It's uh, you, you know I you know how I feel about your town and and your festival. It's um, it's it has meant a lot to me, and your friendship has meant a lot to me. So mm-hmm. it's always a pleasure to. Every year we get to see each other for a few minutes in Memphis, and we say hello. And every <laughs> so often we exchange emails, but. You're a true friend, and you, you yeah. mean a lot to me, so That's anything I can do to cool. help. Cool, yeah, yeah, I can say the same about mm-hmm. you, and uh, without getting sentimental here. <laughs> Let's hug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, thank, but, you, uh, thank you for doing this. I, uh, you know, it's been um, interesting to me, because I've gotten to know you a little more through this interview, and um, yeah. and as I said, you are somebody I really respect. And, oh, thanks. Uh, so, thank yeah. you for doing this. Yeah, thank you. And maybe the, the, in a year... People can see that documentary on Netflix. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They'll know where it started, where the footage got transferred. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for Thank this. Thank you. <laughs>